What is up, Bitcoiners? This is CK, and this is another episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. This week, I sit down with Idan Hugo from The Sovereign Project. Sovereign is a decentralized group of people working together to build a decentralized uh, trading platform, stablecoin platform, and other type of platform on top of RSK and other Bitcoin technologies. They're looking at Liquid, they're looking at Lightning, they're looking at DLCs. But effectively, this is a new kind of company that is not domained anywhere on the world, and they are building on top of Bitcoin. It's really exciting to see this kind of alternative companies emerging. I wrote an article called The Sovereign Company Thesis, and this uh, group kind of fits along the line of organizations that will be enabled by Bitcoin and the assurances that Bitcoin provides. Before we get into the show, I want to talk about our sponsor. It is Level, LVL.co. Level is an awesome Bitcoin bank. Effectively, it is a FDIC insured checkings account right next to a Bitcoin wallet. And it allows you to trade between USD and BTC with no spread, uh, with no spread and no fees, no hidden fees. It is straightforward, straight back and forth between USD and BTC. And they want you to live on Bitcoin. I know everyone made a huge splash about Russell Okun, who is taking 50% of his paycheck, immediately converting that into Bitcoin, and then putting that into his cold storage. LVL.co lets you do that today. You don't have to wait. You can get paid in Bitcoin today with LVL.co. You get an FDIC-insured bank account. So boom, with LVL.co, you get your paycheck in your bank account, and then you can convert it to Bitcoin automatically. They are rolling out features where you can set a percentage of your paycheck to immediately get converted into Bitcoin with no charge, no hidden fees. You guys, LVL.co, live on Bitcoin, bank on Bitcoin. This is a new kind of Bitcoin exchange. It's not a brokerage. LVL.co, use code BTC Media so that way they know we sent you there. All right, guys, that is enough for me. Let's jump right into this interview with Idan Hugo of Sovereign. What is up, Bitcoiners? Welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. This is CK, and I am sitting across from Eden Yago. He goes by Yago on Twitter and on the interwebs, and he is a fantastic Bitcoiner building some really cool technology on RSK. Uh, Yago, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast of my favorite publication. Amazing. Well, very kind words. And we work hard to be the most Bitcoin, true to Bitcoin publication out there. So uh, it, it means a lot to, that you say that. Definitely. So, Yago, I guess really quickly, uh, why don't you give us an introduction to yourself as well as uh, your project, Sovereign? Sure. So um, about myself, I got into Bitcoin I was lucky enough to get into Bitcoin pretty early. Um, I uh, was working in network technology, um, building neural networks uh, for a company I'd started uh, back in 2011. And I was reading a lot of papers in like just about networking in general. And I came across this very bizarre paper called the Satoshi White Paper. And 
it blew my mind and screwed up my entire life. I abandoned everything I was doing then and switched entirely to being in Bitcoin. Uh, and the reason was, you know, I come from a family of political activists, people who have been chased down by governments or have had to fight governments. Uh, you know, my family were survivors of the Holocaust and among the, the, the fighters in, in the Warsaw Uprising. And um, more recently, they were they fought against the apartheid government and were forced to flee South Africa. And I, I became a, a, a gold smuggler at the age of nine because I had to get money to my family. And, um, you know, and, and so the list kind of goes on. Like, so I was very primed. I'd grown up in circumstances where governments were rightly viewed with a great deal of suspicion. It's a lot of power, which can often be abused. And where, you know, we had seen capital controls and monetary surveillance and um, how difficult it can be to maintain sovereignty over your own funds. And so when I came across Bitcoin, it just took over everything for me. It was like a realization that if we did this right, then um, nine-year-old boys wouldn't have to smuggle gold ever again. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible to and and humbling to kind of hear your real life experience. And I'm sorry that you've had to deal with that. But I feel like in 2020, and moving into 2021, never has it been more apparent to a Westerner, someone from the United States or Western Europe, that they too may have to face similar sort of adversaries in the government. You know, I think it's important to remember that um, in 1936, uh, right, when Hitler was elected uh, in Germany, Germany was considered the most advanced democracy in the world by many people. Uh, you know, the Weimar Republic was considered, you know, a model of freedom and liberalism. And when the United States confiscated gold from every single American citizen, uh, in, 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 during the Roosevelt regime, that happened in the land of the free and home of the brave. This has, we, we're not that different from the generations that have come before us. And um, as solid as our foundations may seem to us, you know, the institutions that we live in are extremely fragile and um, complacency is a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're going to get much more into this uh, later on in the conversation. But before I get into that, I want to learn more about Sovereign. Um, you guys recently had some pretty big news that hit the Bitcoin uh, news reel. Um, what are your, you know, give me your react, I guess, give me, get me up to date on on Sovereign and, and what what's up with this project. Well, what I think of Sovereign as sort of Bitcoin with superpowers. So if you think about Bitcoin, Bitcoin provided us with this decentralized, censorship-resistant, permissionless monetary system. Amazing, right? Now, on top of this monetary system, what we should do is we should build a decentralized, permissionless, uncensorable financial system, one which isn't manipulated, one which is uh, free and open to anyone in the world. And then if we do that, then we can build on top of that a decentralized permissionless and censorship resistant economic system, which would mean that we could all transact globally with anyone 
freely. So that's, I think, what our mission is. It's, I think, a multi-decade mission. I think all of us together, you know, we can get excited about price go up. But um, Bitcoin is kind of like um, a political movement dressed up as a get-rich-quick scheme. And we're all in this together fighting to be on the right side of history. So, so coming back to Sovereign, what Sovereign is trying to do is take that uncensorable monetary system and build upon it an uncensorable financial system. And so Sovereign is a decentralized, permissionless and censorship-free uh, system which allows you to lend Bitcoin, borrow Bitcoin, trade, trade against other tokens, uh, create Bitcoin-backed stable coins, um, and uh, uh, create, take leverage. And so it allows you to do, I think, you know, the two things which excite me most about it in terms of use cases is one thing which I call um, super stacking, which is, you know, you're stacking your sets. All right, so now you can lend out those sets as you're huddling them and stack even more sets on the interest that people pay you. Now, if you do that through a centralized service, you're taking on a lot of risk. But if you do it, while controlling your keys through a censorship resistance system, then I think um, you know, you're, you're participating in this financial space and earning more for yourself. And then there's hyper hodling, which is um, you know, I'm all in Bitcoin, but I still want more Bitcoin. So how do I do that? Well, I'm buying Bitcoin with my Bitcoin. And I, I do that by basically using my Bitcoin to borrow dollars and buy more Bitcoin with them. And so I'm growing my stack despite the fact that I'm all in. And that's basically why I got excited about helping to build Sovereign was because I wanted to use it. Right. So, I mean, obviously these are kind of like leverage strategies that Sovereign is enabling through RSK and other blockchain technologies. I want to like dive into, you know, you guys are not the only ones doing this kind of activity and enabling this kind of stuff. This stuff lives on, on ETH as well as other, you know, quote unquote DeFi applications. Um, but kind of before getting into any of that, I want to talk about RSK. You know, why is Sovereign built on RSK? Um, what is it like building on RSK? You know, I guess, are there misconceptions about RSK and any, like, you know, kind of talk about, about RSK and Sovereign's uh, yeah. relationship to that. So Rootstock or RSK is a side chain of Bitcoin, which is merge mined by Bitcoin, which means that it basically extends the, the, the functionality of the Bitcoin network itself, right? So uh, it provides the ability to build smart contracts, to have um, different types of transactions, and it's all uh, backed by Bitcoin proof of work. Now, Sovereign isn't building on rootstock only. We're integrating Lightning Network. Um, and we would, um, you know, we're, we're looking at other types of layer two technologies like other Bitcoin sidechains, DLCs. Um, I think there's a really exciting explosion, a renaissance of Bitcoin layer two technologies that is happening now. Rootstock is a very good place for us to start because it gives us a great deal of smart contract functionality. And what a smart contract is, is basically um, a way for you to interact with other people um, where the interaction is governed by code rather than governed by courts. And so it's much more efficient, much more permissionless and much more global. 
And that means that we can build a system which can serve anyone in the world. Yep. Yep. I mean, I actually am fairly familiar with everything that's happening in the Ethereum and in smart contracting space. So I'm interested in kind of getting into the nuances with you on this, but it also is interesting to hear about, you know, Sovereign is just trying to build a layer two for Bitcoin. And uh, you, you know, this is not necessarily a smart contracting play or a DeFi play, but rather it's about, you know, integrating with all of Bitcoin's, you know, kind of potential L2s. Um, can you kind of give me like a better idea of like sovereign as an entity or sovereign as an organization, like what that, you know, looks like? Sure. Uh, it's more of a disorganization than an organization. So sovereign is the most fun I've ever had in my life because we're building a business, right? It's this thing which people work on and contribute to, and it generates money through transaction and trading fees. Um, but there's no corporation. There's no company. It's not registered anywhere. The only thing that turns it into a business and that binds all of these people together is um, the, the protocol and the, the, the token, which is associated with the protocol, which is called SOV. Now, a lot of Bitcoiners are really opposed to tokens, which uh, I get because most of the tokens that have existed up until now have been altcoins, right? They've been sort of tokens that have tried to be coins or currency and effectively compete with Bitcoin. Um, SOV uh, is nothing like that. It is a very, very simple idea where a system generates revenues, people who contribute to the system earn SOV, and then they can earn back the revenues that the system is generating. And so that creates a way to govern and the that's system. that's not denominated in BTC. Yeah, so all of the transaction fees, uh, all of the uh, uh, trading fees, everything that occurs in Sovereign is in Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin is the currency. SOV, you can think of as kind of like equity, right? It's kind of like having a share or a stock in this decentralized uh, business. Yeah, I mean, I think Bitcoiners are very anti-token as a reaction to altcoins being compared to Bitcoin. But uh, I do think that, I mean, even through DeFi on Ethereum, this idea of token as this way to uh, accrue cash flow from a protocol um, has started to open people's minds up to the potential of organizing in the future, not necessarily competing with Bitcoin. Um, I actually wrote an article a couple of weeks ago for Bitcoin Magazine called "The Sovereign Company Thesis." I don't know oh, if you really? took a look at that. Yeah, I haven't. I should. That that is a really coincidental name, right? So yeah, we no. are the sovereign company. Maybe we are your thesis. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you are an instantiation of it. But um, the idea is, you know, as existing companies adopt Bitcoin, they're like, you know, they kind you know, they may be buying it as a store of value or a treasury alternative treasury asset or whatever, you know, people are saying now in the mainstream, but they inadvertently become more sovereign as well, you know, and if they do actually hold their keys, then they truly have a level of sovereignty and uh, leverage over the state that was never quite possessed by entities before. So that's I just right. think that that's changing the game, whether it's new organizational structures like 
sovereign, like your organization, um, or whether it's, you know, an Apple or something like that in 15 years in a Bitcoin world. Um, it's yeah. just changing, it's changing the, the rules. Well, in a way, I think what we think we are building is kind of like the Apple for finance in the future, right? So it's, it just works. Everything is like nicely, the, you, we put a lot of emphasis as a community on UI, um, on user friendliness and on making sure that all of the different parts, so lending, trading, leverage, stable coins, stable coin generation, perpetual swaps, they all integrate very, very smoothly and tightly with each other as one protocol, um, which is a bit different from what happens in the Ethereum space where you know, you've got so many different DeFi dApps and they're all kind of competing with each other and doing liquidity mining to kind of steal liquidity from each other. We think that if you build an open protocol, you can build it in such a way that it's open to everyone and, um, and there doesn't have to be this battle over liquidity. It can concentrate everyone's liquidity. And because the biggest pool of liquidity is Bitcoin, uh, by far, by far, uh, we think that that's the best place to be building these decentralized applications. So, you know, we can trade ERC-20 tokens, we can trade other tokens as well, and we'll, they will be added by the community over time. Um, probably more and more rapidly as more people uh, learn to do this. And eventually, I think there's not going to be anything which won't be tradable on Sovereign. Okay, well, so let's talk about um, what you would consider Sovereign, because I want to get like a real understanding of like the organizational kind of structure of Sovereign and how the token is minted, um, you know, who controls those multi-sigs or the keys to that, you know, whatever smart contract issues. That, like, let's talk about like That's what, what this thing actually is. Yeah. So Sovereign uh, doesn't have a multi-sig. Well, actually it, it doesn't have a multi-sig. Uh, right now, I think we, ha we still have like a safety multi-sig, which we're in the process of removing in, just in case everything goes very, very wrong uh, in the very first days. But um, Sovereign is governed purely by the tokens. Uh, there's no central operator. There's not, a, not even a multi-sig operator. And the way it works is, um, you know, if, you, if you're trying to build a company, right? People have shares in the company and they vote uh, for a board of directors and the board of directors kind of make decisions, right? Yep. Um, and the shareholders can participate in those decisions at any time. So Sovereign is a little bit similar, um, but it's got some interesting twists. When you hold SOV token, you can choose to stake your SOV token. So you don't get to vote unless you're staking. And this is because the more you stake, in other words, the longer you stake for, not the more you stake, the longer you stake for, the more voting power you get. And this is because as Bitcoiners, we have low time preference and we want to make sure that people are incentivized to think about the very long term of the project. Um, and so by locking up their funds without the ability to withdraw those funds for you know, two years, three years, they have to, they're forced to think about the long term of the project and they're rewarded with with a greater share of the revenue and a greater share of the voting power. Now they're also pseudonymous, so you don't know who they are. And instead of a board of directors, they have the ability if they choose, not the obligation, but the ability to delegate their votes to, to people in the community or addresses in the community that they like 
or that they think have the right opinions or have a good uh, track record of voting. Um, and then the protocol can vote to do many things, but not anything. It can't vote to take away anyone's funds. It can't vote to censor anyone's transactions, but it can vote to add new features. It can vote to change some parameters like fees, like the fee structure of trading or of lending, um, and can vote to spend treasury on new development or to pay the salaries of pseudonymous developers. And most of our developers are pseudonymous. In fact, most of them have chosen like uh, superhero names. Um, so, uh, and I think that's because like one of the very earliest founders, Aurora Monroe, she chose, you know, Aurora Monroe, which is the, the actual name of Storm, uh, the X-Men character. And, and, and we have like an internal meme in, um, in Sovereign that we're, we're kind of, we're not Bitcoin maxis, we're Bitcoin mutants. We're, we're, we're giving Bitcoin superpowers. I, I like that. I mean, so. I generally spend most of my time talking to quote unquote Bitcoin maximalists, uh, but I do do a podcast called POV Crypto where I talk to David Hoffman, who's a pretty big uh, ETH head influencer. Um, yeah, and, David uh, Hoffman proponent. of ETH is money uh, yeah. fame. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you know we have a huge amount of respect for what has been done on Ethereum, and Ethereum has been such a great petri dish for experimenting with DAOs, with DeFi, with, you know, decentralized stable coins, with really how to take apart our financial system and reconstruct it in a way which is censorship resistant. Um, and no one, no one should be more interested in what's going on in Ethereum than Bitcoiners for exactly that reason. And I think that's what Bitcoin mutants are. They're, they're, they're open-minded Bitcoiners who believe that um, you know, we've got on the one hand the greatest store of value asset that's ever been created and the greatest monetary tool that's ever been created. And on top of that, we have the opportunity to build an open financial system and an open economy. And that's our mission. So I like I like the uh, I, I like the X-Men uh, alignment and calling yourself the mutants and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I vibe with it because my perspective on Bitcoin is Bitcoin, shitcoins, all of this stuff, like all of this is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the permissionless money network that people can build on top of. And you can't stop someone from doing it wrong. You can't stop someone from forking it. You can't stop someone from building an altcoin. You can't stop one, someone from, you know, shitcoining to hear the moon and back. You can't. And Bitcoin made this, you know, as much as Bitcoin made, uh, you know, the perfect money, it also made all of this other stuff. So uh, it, it really helps to kind of open your eyes to, you know, Bitcoin is permissionlessness. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that other like hardcore Bitcoiners, people that understand the value of Bitcoin, the difference between a Bitcoiner and an altcoiner is, is Bitcoin their unit of account? Truly. Like if you don't get that Bitcoin is the alpha and the omega, then then you're lost but if you get that bitcoin is the alpha and the omega you can kind of do whatever the hell you want like it really doesn't matter and and bitcoin yeah. enabled that yeah and i think bitcoin you know it's built on the idea of adversarial thinking and innovation and so as adversarial thinkers and as innovators we should be looking at 
the entire ugly shitcoin universe and saying, all right, well, in this pile of shit, are there some diamonds? And if there are any diamonds, we should snatch them up. And that's, that's I think, what we're doing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that Bitcoin is doing that, whether uh, the Bitcoin Maximus community, you know, thinks about it or not. Um, yeah. Bitcoin yeah. is a lot bigger than that. Yeah, that's okay. right. So, I mean, uh, tell me a little bit more, like, you know, how did you, how did you find Sovereign and kind of what's your role in Sovereign? Well, I, when the pandemic started, um, I had this idea to try and get um, Bitcoin branded 3D printed mosques to people around the world because um, supply chains had broken down and a lot of people were without mosques, if you remember, like February and March. And so I got together with a bunch of Bitcoiners, like who I'd known for years, and we started working on that project, which we called Block 19, and we built a distributed network, uh, and we created this Bitcoin-backed NFT um, so that people could donate uh, masks and, and track where their masks donations were going, right? Um, and in the course of that, we started talking about you know, the things that we were excited about still and like what we were disappointed about in the Bitcoin world. And one of the things that really bothered us is that for years and years and years, we'd always expected, like we had known for sure that someone was going to build a decentralized censorship resistant alternative to all of these exchanges. And for Bitcoin, it just hadn't happened. And so eventually, I think we just said, screw it, we're going to do it ourselves. And we started working on it. And now Sovereign's live. Gotcha. And you mentioned uh, there's a founder of Sovereign. Like, how did you bump into the founder? Is the founder still there? Um... I've known Aurora for many years. She has an amazing story. She, um, she uh, got into Bitcoin because she was waitressing. And she knew some guys who were selling drugs on the dark web and they couldn't get, so they, they were getting like a bunch of Bitcoin from selling these drugs, but they needed cash and she was a waitress. So she had a lot of cash and she created this union of waitresses um, who would give her cash and she would then pay them like more cash back the next week because what she would do is she would take this cash and buy um, Bitcoin at discounts from drug dealers and then arbitrate it from um, uh, Mt. Gox and other, <laughs> other exchanges. And then, then she got into, so she's a programmer and she got Bitcoin into OG right there. Yeah that's, yeah. that's like the original arbing of with Bitcoin. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, I know her and then there's JB Bedrux who I met through her and they're, they both have been like coding smart contracts on Ethereum for the last five years. Cause they got really excited about the opportunity there. And, um, and Victor is just like this amazing um, front end developer who's super into making like the best user experiences. And he's also, he's been building like Bitcoin wallets and, you know, you know we just kind of know each other from the space, from all of the years that we've been, like the community was pretty small back then. So you kind of know everyone. Um, and, um, and, 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 and we're all like super excited about the project and, and more and more people are joining. We've got like tens of people now contributing uh, to the project. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, it's like spreading like wildfire. So this project Sovereign started 
like at the beginning of the pandemic, essentially like summer, right? And that's right. Uh, you've launched an exchange on RSK. You have a token that you know is paid out per people's work, um, and uh, you're looking into all kinds of Bitcoin, you know, kind of technologies in order to build out the Bitcoin denominated layer two world financial stack. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I guess one last question. Can you tell me like how, like tell me a little bit of details on like the token supply of SOV and like how that was all kind of like done in that kind of shit. And then from there, you know, like yeah. let's talk into like what's next. So token supply of SOV was done in a pretty stupid way. Like, you know, stupid. Like, I think it makes sense, but like we did it, like we just had like a online chat and we were like, all right, how many tokens are there going to be? And someone said, well, there are a hundred million tokens in a hundred million sets in a Bitcoin and people are going to be using this to stack sets. So hundred million tokens. So there are a hundred million tokens and, um, and um, they're distributed to developers and founders, about 35% there. About um, fifteen percent to people who are contributing financially, and the rest will be distributed to go to to the community, like to, like to the actual users of the system. And like, how how are like the the tokens distributed to the users of the system? Is it kind of like uh, kind of right like Politea and Decred style? Like, how does that work? Um, yeah, right now it's in the form of uh, rebates on transaction fees. Um, but we are working to add the ability for you to earn um, more SOV by what we call giving your your friends the gift of sovereignty, right? So introducing them to sovereign and and having them become more um, self-sovereign themselves. So you'll get some SOV for that. And, and we may introduce certain elements of um, sort of like liquidity mining kind of things to encourage liquidity if there are any places which which need more liquidity in the system. Gotcha. Um, can there be more tokens voted in, kind of like a corporation? Is that something that is an option for yes. the holders? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we have created that. Well, or it, it, there's nothing stopping that from happening, and that's very important uh, in terms of the way we view it, because this is not a competitive bit. Yeah, it's yeah. not a competitive bitcoin. It's it's like equity. It's like stocks. So like let's say, you know. We, I, the main reason we have it is because we want to be able to incentivize, you know, additional developers and partnerships in the future as a community. But also, uh, the really the number one reason is the buck stops with the SOB holders, right? So if anything goes wrong with the system, like if something goes wrong with the centralized system, you maybe have someone you can sue, you can hope, you can call their customer service, right? So who does the buck? end with with a decentralized system and 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 the way we view it is it's the SOV holders they're taking on the risk that's part of what they're getting rewarded for so like if there was a hack the community could decide to uh to to pay back that hack by creating more SOV so uh we're still working you know and I think it's going to be a process to figure out exactly how to make that mechanism um work in the best way possible but it's an important part of our ethos is that um, we as a community are taking responsibility for, uh, for the system. Makes sense. I mean, again, uh, 
a lot of that kind of fits into what other quote unquote DAOs are structured behind as well. Uh, Maker DAO kind of has something similar to that. You know, again, um, probably more familiar <laughs> with all that stuff than uh, than the the average Bitcoiner. Um, so let's talk about like I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm listening to this podcast. I'm interesting in like just see, like messing around, seeing what's available. I know that you guys have a product hunt listing right now that's up. Like. How would someone go from I have Bitcoin in my Bitcoin wallet to um, I'm participating in, you know, I, I'm leveraging the sovereign uh, exchange capabilities? Yeah, so you need to have a wallet that is um, integrated with sovereign. Right now, there are not too many. There's probably six or seven. Um, so which ones are they? Well, Portis, um, uh, Edge. Uh, is one I th I'm not sure if it's fully integrated yet. Um, our wallet, Defiant, uh, MetaMask, Nifty, and a few others. Oh, and of course, Ledger and Trezor, right? So, the, so, the RSK wallets essentially, yes, yeah, uh, that yeah, work with RSK. That's right. Okay, so you need to get your Bitcoin onto our system. Um, what that means is you, you actually never, it's not like an exchange, you're never depositing your funds into our system, right? But it means that you need to get your funds into a wallet, which is integrate, which is, you know, connected to our system that talks to our system, but you can do that from any Bitcoin wallet. And the way you do that is we've built a system called the fast BTC relay. And basically, um, when you connect your wallet, we'll generate a unique address for you. You send Bitcoin there and you'll then get. Um, like, uh, you know, rootstock Bitcoin on your wallet, which you can then use. Yeah, it was a S Bitcoin. Um, well, yeah, oh, I call it Bitcoin on rootstock or R Bitcoin or yeah. You, okay, yeah. whatever. So what, okay. So um, and where, where are the like BTC keys being held, right? The keys so, for like your, the, well, they're held in your wallet. For, yeah, for the Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 So you... So you have, you're holding both your Bitcoin keys and how are they tethered to the, the roots? Like, I guess, can you talk about how, when you're sending your BTC, like your on-chain BTC keys to uh, that address and getting back rootstock Bitcoin, where are your on-chain BTC keys? Or like, where are the private keys to those so, on-chain funds? Yeah, let, just to kind of make clarify, both of these are on-chain. One is on main chain and one is on side chain, right? So yep. one, so you could have like two wallets or you could have one wallet which knows how to talk to both, right? If you have one wallet which knows how to talk to both and there's like, then it's super simple and we're working to get more and more wallets integrated in that way. If you have two wallets then you'd have like a private key here and you'd have a private key here and you'd move the Bitcoin basically from one private key to another. So they're always under your control. They just, you've basically moved them from one wallet to another. So I guess, but there's a mechanism for RSK to make sure that you have, you, you're locking in real Bitcoins and that each yes, RSK, yes. yeah. Can you talk about that? So, so right now there's currently one peg uh, on RSK, uh, which is called uh, the power peg. It uses um, hardware uh, secured modules. So basically it um, power HSMs. So special HSMs, which, which um, know how to read uh, the uh, rootstock blockchain and you need to feed them. You need to provide them with an SPV proof of transactions. 
And so what you do is you send your funds into a multi-sig wallet, which is controlled by these HSMs. Um, and then the funds are held there and a new rootstock Bitcoin is created on the rootstock sidechain, right? And vice versa. So you can go in and out. And we're in the process of working to bring in other types of pegs as well. Um, we think it would be good to have competition between different types of trustless pegs. Um, so not like WBTC, which is fully custodial, but there's more than one way to build trustless um, Bitcoin pegs. And they have a little bit of different trade-offs. So different people might choose different, uh, different ways that they want to get in uh, to the system. So there's the RSK blockchain that is merged mined to the Bitcoin blockchain. And then the organization behind RSK provides a service through hardware, secure hardware modules uh, to, to peg in and out of. No, there's no RSK. organization. There's multiple different pegnatories, they're called. The pe different uh -huh. pegnatories have HSMs. Um, so, in theory, okay. so, so right now, you know, uh so um it's not fully permissionless to become a pegnatory yep um but it's becoming more permissionless and um after taproot is introduced into main chain it should become possible to basically add um an unlimited number of pegnatories one of the reasons it's limited right now is because there are practical limits on how many um signatories on a bitcoin multisig you can have so who decides how to become a, you know, a, a pegnatory for, uh, yeah. for RSK? Ult ultimately, it's going to be sort of like invite process where the pegnatories can invite additional pegnatories. Okay. I mean, that's, I like that a lot better than liquid. And yeah, so. <laughs> so look, I mean, liquid is interesting, but I think it has a few disadvantages, which made us less interested in working on liquid initially one is it's not fully permissionless to get on and off right so you have to go through an exchange which means you're going through kyc um which we you know which we think makes it extremely prone to censorship uh the second thing is um Rootstock has the advantage of being EVM compatible, so we can use a lot of the same tooling and um, uh, uh, code bases and learnings that uh, that Ethereum has built out over the years. Whereas Liquid uh, is still working on figuring out exactly how they're going to construct their smart contracting language, and that is a much more immature environment. Um, you know, I, I hope we'll see lots and lots of different efforts to build Bitcoin layer two. I mean, Bitcoin is going to be the entire economy. So I'm sure there's going to be thousands of different ways of building Bitcoin layer two. And we're, we're planning the sovereign to be interoperable with the best of them. I like it. I mean, again, I, I don't know how um, every Bitcoiner listening to this podcast will react to some of uh, the, the more out there ideas, but uh, personally, I have a very cosmic view of the future and what Bitcoin, the permissionlessness of Bitcoin, what it enables. Um, so um, I, I'm not I'm not surprised that an organization like Sovereign has sprung up this year, and I fully expect many more to do the same. And I mean, if you look across the crypto space, you know, Sovereign isn't unique. You know, many organizations have done this and coordinated around a token and 
did a lot of stuff like, you know, have, you know, they've been, they've been taking advantage of Bitcoin's permissionless features. So, um, but it's awesomeness and a fresh, of fresh, fresh air to get the, the Bitcoin mutants take on. on yeah. It. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, there is, I, I, uh, I do think that what we're doing is maybe the, maybe spells the end of altcoins because I think what we're proving if we're successful is that you really don't need all of these other chains. And I actually think that the only reason these other chains exist was because somebody wanted to make a different coin because they wanted to make value out of nothing, right? We already have a permissionless censorship resistant monetary tool, it's called Bitcoin. We don't need a thousand coins. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, it never has. And I think that the only reason it's ever made sense to anyone was, well, for two reasons. First, for, to some people it made sense because they thought they could sell something for nothing. Um, and for other people it made sense because they, they were convinced by the people who were trying to sell something for nothing that there were, there were all these unique features in, 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 an, in a, you know, out chain, which Bitcoin couldn't do. And therefore you needed a different currency for that chain. I think what we're proving is that you can add any superpower, anything which, which is useful in any way can be added to the Bitcoin ecosystem using Bitcoin as its core monetary, as its base monetary thing. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have like a, like a crypto asset economy. I mean, if people want to build real things, that's great. Like build real things, which use a token to build, to tokenize, right? Everything that we use the courts to do and, and governments to do, we can, we can use decentralized consensus to do and tokens are the way of doing that. So we can build a decentralized, permissionless global economy. It just doesn't have to be made out of shit coins. Um, it can be made out of real projects. And, I, and, I, and so I think we may see the death of L-chains as a result of Sovereign and things like Sovereign succeeding. But we will definitely see a flourishing of the, um, I would call it the crypto asset space. Okay, interesting take. And I think that's a great place to wrap up the episode. Um, why don't you why don't you plug yourself? Why don't you plug other places where people can learn more about Sovereign and any last asks for what well, I would describe as probably, you know, a much more hardcore Bitcoin maximalist audience. Okay, so definitely check out sovereign.app. That's S O V R Y N dot app, which is the best way to connect. It's not the only way, but it's the best way to connect to the protocol. And then you can also check us out on Twitter. Uh, our handle is uh, Sovereign, S-O-V-R-Y-N, uh, B-T-C, so Sovereign Bitcoin. Um, and for the maximalists, I would sign off saying this. Listen, the reason we got into Bitcoin, the reason we're excited about Bitcoin is because we want to build our own sovereignty and we want to build a world in which individuals can be sovereign. We want to build a global, permissionless, censorship-resistant, open economy. And the way we do that is by building around Bitcoin, building on top of Bitcoin um, and strengthening Bitcoin by building an economy around it. And that economy can't be centralized, which means we can't rely on the courts. So we need to rely on the blockchain. And the way we do that is by tokenizing the different functions. So this is the future, uh, not of altcoins. It's the future of Bitcoin and hopefully the future of the world. Awesome. And Yago, where can people find more about you? Uh, I'm Idan Yago, uh, Yago, at Idan Yago on Twitter, or you could just look for Yago and, uh, and like, 
If you if you look for the hashtag Stay Sovereign, S O V Y R A something I can't spell Stay S O V R O I N, you'll find me. Okay, awesome. And 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 on that note, I'll tell everyone: Stay Sovereign, everyone. Yes. Hey, stay so stay humble, stay sovereign, and keep stacking. You can find me at CK underscore Snarks, and you can find the podcast at Bitcoin Magazine on Telegram, on YouTube, you know, anywhere you po- download the podcast. Make sure to download it. Make sure to follow these guys. Um, Bitcoin is uh, it's going to make some crazy stuff possible. So uh, stay open minded to uh, to what sovereignty looks like. Peace.